This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Well, hello and welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. I'm your host, Harold Thornborough, and I'm joined today by Rick Beach from Wolf Beach Farms. And he's got a lot going on. He's, he's got a lot going on on the farm, it looks like, and a lot going on on Facebook. <laughs> so we're going to talk a little bit about that because our topic today is going to be bar- bartering, which he's doing a lot there. So Rick, welcome to the Modern Homesteading Podcast. Awesome. Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be on the show. Well, like I said, I, I think a friend of yours recommended you come on and talk about this because it's a good topic. You know, I think bartering's really important. I think it's something that homesteaders can take advantage of. And I, there's, we can talk a lot, you know, I hear a little bit about some of the advantages of it and some of the challenges of it even and, and whatnot. But before we get into all that, man, I'd just love to hear a little bit about you and your homesteading journey and kind of what you're doing right now, if you wouldn't mind telling us a little bit about that. Sure thing. I wanted to first, it's Jacob, who's one of the other admins. He's the one who recommended it and uh, he's a big fan. So he wanted to make sure that we got out there. I'm more PC and the more voice of the, our group. So he's like, you take it. It's all you. So, all right. So about 2008, I was in the pharmaceutical world, engineering world, did that for almost 20 years. Wow. And due to a layoff, I became kind of, what am I going to do? What am I Where's my next steps? And came across podcasts who had talked about permaculture, and it was interesting to me. So the more I learned about it, the more I wanted to dive into it. Ended up getting my PDC from that. And my wife and I talked that who, you know, we were in a two-income family, but one of us was going to have to get a second part-time job just for all the childcare and daycare and camps for all of the kids. So when we looked at it, it was cheaper for one of us to stay home than it was for one of us to get a secondary part-time job on top of our regular jobs. And she has the degree. I didn't, even though I made more money than she did. If something were to happen, she could go get a job a lot easier than I could with a degree. Sure. And from that, we, I decided to stay home with our youngest and start teaching permaculture, start doing these things. And we were living in suburban India, not India, Indiana, (laughs) Indianapolis, and doing it on a third of an acre. So we had fruit trees, ducks, rabbits, chickens, edible landscaping. We were preserving, buying in bulk. We were doing a lot of those things. And then an opportunity came up for us to buy a property and live in a tiny house for nothing. We didn't have a mortgage payment or anything. So we gutted the building. It was a Um, 1865 rail station that her grandfather owned as his office. And we really wanted to buy it just for the fruit trees. It had 30 year old fruit trees on it and that had never had anything done to them. So we bought that, renovated it, turned it into a two bedroom house, bathroom, and it was 550 square feet for the family, lived there debt-free for a year while we were looking for our forever home. And this property came up and it had everything that we wanted. We were kind of casually looking for about five years. And when this one came up, it was everything that we wanted and more. And so we settled here in Greencastle and we got 32 acres and, oh, I think we're about 400 animals on the farm now. And we do a little bit of everything. So we've (laughs) raised almost everything that you can raise as homesteading. And we did what... I always recommend to everybody not to do is get something of everything and see what sticks. Yeah. So now going through my mistakes, lessons learned the hard way. Don't do that. (laughs) (laughs) It's amazing what you can learn the hard way. And then, but you know what you can, I found, I tell people, you know, you try to convey that to people and people need to learn through mistakes, but they don't have to be their mistakes. But yeah, it still seems like a lot of people still have to make their own mistakes, you know, but you know what? Some of those lessons are, are like, you learn them that way, the hardest way, like lessons learned the, are the hardest way or the best ones that you learn. Cause you'll never repeat them. Yep. You'll never forget. Um, yeah. No. <laughs> and you know, we learned a lot going through 
other people's farms too, learning what they did, what they mm-hmm. liked, going through farm st- homestead tours or people who are giving classes or whatever. We love to go see what works for them, what doesn't work for them, what can we implement, what don't we like about their farm or what do they like about their farm, and then bring that back home and try to implement that. Yeah. How have you, have you put, how, how have you put permaculture to work on your 32 acres? Have you really done a lot there as far as planting and things or? We do a lot of experimental stuff. Yeah. Yes. Planting. I did. I did everything that I teach people to do to not do. So <laughs> we went from, you know, a third of an acre to 32 acres. So everything is spread out everywhere. I didn't do the zones like I should have yeah, and yeah. lots of type one errors of, Hey, there's a slope. Let's put a swale on it. Yeah. You know, and just, I didn't think everything through it was let's implement all of these things that we just learned about. And now seeing the failures of like, okay, this is what you really want to do. This is what you don't want to do. And this is why. Yeah. So we've done a lot of stuff. We've done aquaponics. We've done pasture raising. We do rotational grazing with, with our animals. My biggest thing when we brought the property is I wanted goats so bad that, you know, I was the goat advocate. I, you know, Mark Shepard, we were talking with him and he's like, I said, why don't you do goats? He's like, you don't want goats. Goats are the, <laughs> the, the evilest things on the planet. Goats are horrible. Oh no. You just don't know about that. You haven't had the right goats. Yeah. Mark was right because I hate goats now. <laughs> it definitely takes a, a level of infrastructure and patience <laughs> to handle goats. And some people, even after they've raised them for a long time, they love them. They, you know, they wouldn't have any other animal. They think they're the greatest animal and to them they might be, but they're a challenge. I, we grew up with some goats, you know, I was a kid, we had goats and they were a challenge. I'll tell you. Chow- every day it's a challenge and it's, yeah. it's, we still have goats. They're my daughter's pets. My wife loves the goats. <laughs> if I could get rid of the goats, I would, but they, they do have a purpose as much as I complain sure. about the goats. I do like the goats for that we have the that we have full size dairy goats. So when they go out into the woods, they'll clean six foot and lower. So any of the brush that I would normally be hitting my head on or having to duck under, it's gone. So yeah. they do have a purpose. Do you do you rotate rotate them to like a silvo pasture style or yes? So we we have about 250, 300 sheep right now. So sheep is our main, mm, yeah. but the problem with the sheep is they go 36 inches and lower. So we can only go about waist high when they go out and graze. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the goats, we won't rotate the goats with the sheep because the goats teach the sheep to jump the fences. So <laughs> we've learned that the goats have to go somewhere separate. So the sheep don't interact with them as much. Right. Yeah. They teach the bad behaviors. <laughs> How, uh, how do you make money with this farm? Is it, I mean, you're doing tours and classes, things like that, but are you selling meat? And obviously you probably are with those kind of, that number of animals. We are, my wife works off farm. So that's where our main source of income, but we, we do classes. We do consulting. My daughter and I tap black walnut trees for syrup. We used to do maple, but we completely went away from that and went strictly black walnut. How does that work out? Is that you get quite a bit from black walnut? You get less per gallon of sap. Sure. Yeah but it's much more flavorful. Really? It's, Never had it. Oh, I have to get you some. It's oh, wow. uh, it's definitely unique and I won't ever go back to maple. Hmm, um, interesting. She's the same way now. So she and I tap them. We didn't do it this last year because we just had crazy temperatures this year and it was hard to gauge. You do black wall at the same time you do maple. Okay. I believe there are 26 species in Indiana that you can get sap or syrup from in one way or another. Yeah. Sycamore was one that I learned. It's supposed to taste like butterscotch. I haven't tried it yet. Birch bark was one. Shag bark bark hickory is another one you can use. Interesting. So uh, there's quite a bit out there that you can do. So we do that. We sell plant starts. We sell produce. We sell livestock. We don't sell meat only because I didn't want to have to go through all of the regulations of individual cuts. We're currently running eight freezers. Yeah. Eight freezers of <laughs> of what we have available, but that's not necessarily just for for sales and stuff. Or it's for us. We do raw feeding for our dogs and cats as well, so that takes some of that space up. Sure, but it, it's livestock training, education, those kinds of things. Awesome, yeah. That's well, that's a good plan. I like. Obviously, you got a heart for that. You went through a PDC. You enjoy it. You you love permaculture obviously it's a big part of who you are and, and you want to you know spread that word and help others get started in that too so i think that's real i think it's great oh yeah 
wish the wool. I'm trying to think. It's, it's a yeah, lot of different things. I did see that on your website. Do you do? It looked like maybe you. Do you guys do like? I seen you had rabbits. Do you do like angora rabbits or meat? My daughter has oh. an angora. Okay, so it's in her room. It's more of a pet. But for oh, a while, okay. we were going to be specializing in fiber. There's a big Midwest fiber event. It's called. It used to be Greencastle Fiber Event. They recently changed the name. But we had alpacas, we had llama, we had cashmere goats, we had the sheep, and then the rabbit. So we were, and then we did try to do silkworms too. That oh. was interesting. How, um, yeah, so how'd that work out? Tell me a little bit about that. <laughs> silkworms actually eat mulberry leaves. Yeah. So yeah. mulberries are plentiful here. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't feed them regularly enough, and temperature changes can affect them as well. So did we get some mm-hmm. cocoons? Yeah. Was it worth it? I don't know that I would want to go through that again. Yeah. So I've but talked about that a few times on the podcast, just from research I've done, but I didn't know anybody. I don't, I haven't actually met anybody that has tried raising them or, you know, growing them and see how that worked out. But it man. wasn't hard. Basically like those little plastic totes organizers that mm-hmm. people usually use for crafts and things, put them in there. You just go harvest mulberry leaves every day or two Yeah, and just give them fresh mulberry. They eat through that. And as they go through it, you change out the, the, I don't want to say bedding, but they're usually like on a plastic tray. You lift the tray up, put them in a new clean one, empty out the old one. And when they go to the cocoons, you harvest the silk. Now you can either let the moths hatch or you kill them in there. And that's usually how they do it is yeah, boiling them in videos the videos on it before how they yeah, harvest it. Interesting. Yeah, We have a natural silk moth here. I didn't realize that either. I didn't know that either. You, you've certainly done your experimenting. You're trying, you try a little bit of everything. Don't oh, you? I'm fascinated. <laughs> if I find a topic that I'm yeah. really interested in, I really dive into yeah, it. I, I'm kind of the same way. I kind of dive in. I try a whole bunch of different things and, and see what sticks. You know, aquaponics is something that stuck with me. I really enjoy aquaponics, rabbits, quail. I do Caternix quail, really enjoy raising those. We've, you know, tried a bunch of different things here too, as far as, and, and even with the planting of things. And, and I really enjoy the experimenting and yeah, a lot of things I, I do for a year or two and I just, get away from it. it was like yeah that's not for me you know exactly but if you gave it a shot and you know people will say oh you got to do this you got to do that well or you can't do this or you can't do that and until you actually try it, it right. you'll never know yeah. you say aquaponics somebody we're doing a lot of our plant starts in a pool it's an above ground yeah. pool that we put fish in so we just put them all there and they root in it and i was yeah. told oh you have to get them out they'll start getting waterlogged months going on and yeah. they're still going strong so you know, you I, I do. I put mine in my ebb and flow beds and in the grow medium, and, and it's amazing how quick things root in there. I do all my cuttings in there, and I just stay, and that's mostly what I use it for. Right now, I'm growing cucumbers like crazy in there, but in through the winter months, I was just you know doing rooting in there. I, that's what we're know, doing. Yeah, I took all my cuttings in the fall and I just stuck them in there, and I had root balls that were like eight, ten, twelve inches in diameter off of like elderberry cuttings and mulberry cuttings and fig tree cuttings and things like that. It was amazing. It just oh, does definitely. an amazing job. Yeah. And it's just for all off of the fish waste. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's, it's great function stacking. Sure. Absolutely. Well, one thing you've definitely stuck with over all these this time, it looks like, cause I've been in one of your groups for quite a while. I think I've been in a couple of your groups for quite a while. We're Facebook groups and I know one that I'm in is about bartering. I don't know. How many do you have? I know you're in a few, you said. So we have the statewide barter group, the Indiana. So it's Homesteaders of Indiana Bartering. Mm -hmm. And then we have, I run a, we run that one with five admins. And then I run the Putnam County Barter Town, kind of a play from the Mad Max Barter Town. (laughs) Yeah, Um, yeah. Because not everybody wants to drive across the state. They want to go local and it's hard to find just local deals. So we started, I started to create one just for my local group, Putnam County homesteading group, because there wasn't one. We have the statewide homesteading group, which is awesome and lots of discussions, but we didn't have anything that to build community in my own little County. Let's see. There's the bartering groups, the Indianapolis permaculture, which has now evolved to statewide group since the Indiana one kind of doesn't do a lot of traffic really that so we have yeah. fort wayne there's big members in there indianapolis and we just kind of take anybody from the state even though it says indianapolis why facebook there's a lot of platforms out there why do you feel so strongly about facebook it's just because you've been doing it for so long on facebook and it's just where people are mostly. it's where people are yeah. i tried yeah. doing some of the MeWe and some of the other groups yeah. it was just difficult there's not enough people there's not enough draw they don't have right. the features built in like mm-hmm. you have marketplace you have some other things it's easier to share sure. there's a lot of rules and hindrances on facebook that 
you can get around if you know what you're doing. Yeah, we can talk but, about that. <laughs> um, but there's just more people, and that's just it's it's easier for a lot of people to use. And so newer generations are going to other platforms, Instagram and TikTok, and some of these things. And that's that's not my realm. And it's it's yeah. hard to share an article. It's hard to share a picture. It's hard to share some of these kinds of things when that's not the the general platform for it. Yeah, I do quite a bit on Instagram, but TikTok is not my jam. I'm not interested <laughs> at all. My daughter loves it. But yeah, kids do. <laughs> she She's learning so much stuff. She learned how to propagate some plants. She's learned about different flowers and leaves that she can grow for teas. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, where did you learn? She goes, TikTok. You, you don't watch TikTok? I'm like, no, this is not my this is not my cup of tea. Yeah. People say, oh, you need to be there. It's where the people are. And I'm like, man, I, those people just aren't going to be finding me there probably because I just can't. I just, like I said, it's not my thing. I just can't get into it. <laughs> I can't either. It's short little videos, which because I got ADD, it's my attention span goes that way, but it's just so much and it's, right. it's all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're doing a couple groups then that are, are focused on bartering. I guess I'd like to know, uh, how you get away with that for one thing with animals. Cause I'm in one that group and I see a lot of animals being, I guess I could say advertised by that people are looking to barter. You're not allowed to sell animals on Facebook. Correct. So how's this playing out? So the, the statewide homesteaders in Indiana bartering, we've got just shy of 6,500 members. Mm-hmm. We get about a hundred requests a week and about 40 to 50 posts a week. Yeah. We are a closed group. So it's a private group. So that's one way to keep some of the Facebook bots and algorithms out. It's private. Mm-hmm. So the only way you can join is answering the questions and agreeing to the rules. And we do queries regularly to figure out who's in the group who hasn't done that. So if you own and run groups, Facebook will put people in your private groups without going through the permission type channels, I guess. Really? So you can go and search for unavailable members is the one that we use. And it will show you all the people who didn't answer the questions or agree to your rules. And we immediately ban them. Really? I didn't even know they could get around that. I've never really noticed that. We didn't either until I figured it out when we got our first Facebook warning. Hmm. And we have had one warning in the entire time we've been out there for it was a, a dog rehome. And after that, we're very strict about you follow the rules. There are no sales, no money, no money exchanges, no PMs. And that's part of it to keep some of that off of the book, Facebook algorithms. Part of it is to be more transparent because there are a lot of people who were asking for deposits, but then getting Mm. seven deposits on the same animal and then disappearing. Yeah. So everything has to be 100% transparent for what the deals are being made. And the only thing that you can PM is like final arrangements for your, your address or how you're going to meet up and those kinds of things. Okay. And I think that has helped us stay off of the Facebook radar and Facebook police, I guess. Yeah. You make that as a rule, but once it goes into the personal message realm, you really can't, you really we don't know what anything. they're saying, you're, but you're making that a rule up front that Facebook sees the rule and they know that, you know, this is, this is our rule. We, we don't want them doing that, you know? Correct. So if somebody says message sent or PM, it flags us immediately. So between the five of us, somebody sees that and we all work different schedules. So there's almost always one of the admins online. Okay. We'll see that. We, we remove it, say which rule they violated. So many rule violations, you get suspended. After two or three suspended, you're just banned because... But- obviously you didn't want to follow the rules okay but they can do personal messages for like the pickup and whatnot oh yes so that we ask that if they're going to say pm sent it's like pming my address or pm location details oh, or something okay. like that, so that that can be sent and it gives a notice to us of what their intention is yeah and that seems to it, it helps us after you know 100 posts a day and we get all these alerts it helps us stay off the radar and it also helps us kind of filter all the the junk Okay. And, and Facebook doesn't have a par- problem with bartering animals, just selling animals. I don't know that they don't. They've oh, okay. never said anything to us, but I think because we're keeping all of those unavailable and almost every unavailable profile has no picture and it's all uh, random names. Okay. So when you try and click on that person and see their profile, it doesn't exist. 
So you might have a name with a picture and you go as an admin, you can say view member profile. There's nothing there. So I think they're adding these and that's part of the bots that they go in and look for sales or animals or these kinds of things. Because people on like homesteading pages or some of the livestock pages will put a picture with dollars like written in um, Mm -hmm. with a finger or whatever. And even those are getting removed now. So something's being done to be able to track this. Okay. So far we've fallen under the radar. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. I'm in, like I said, I'm in that group. I do remember seeing somebody a while back trying to actually post something for sale and it got dealt with pretty quickly. (laughs) Yes, it does. And that that's, it's part of it that we don't want to have people do sales because it levels the playing field for a lot of people, but it also keeps us off the radar. So yeah. not everybody has the disposable income. Somebody might be, a, I'll give you an example of, there was a woman who's like a coupon queen, I call her, but because she can get all those discounts where she gets money back for fabric softener and laundry detergent and all those kinds of things, but she has a, a whole room full of stuff, but she didn't have to pay for it from the coupon type piece. Yeah. She wanted to get chickens and get into homesteading. So she traded some of her extra stuff to get into it without having to go buy chickens, buy a coop, buy those kinds of things. And it was something that she was able to barter with without ever having to use money. Sure. I guess we should probably step back a little bit and take a more broad view of, of bartering. What are some of the advantages? That's one that you don't need cash necessarily to, to get some things, you know, it can be just an exchange of goods or services. And, you know, historically it's been something that's, you know, it's, it's always been a big part of folks' lives, you know, for hundreds of years, people bartered and, and it got what they needed. When you had better community and you could do yeah. those kinds of things, you know, you had might be had somebody who could make homemade wine. Well, they needed their car worked on and they traded so many bottles of wine for them to work on their car or, or whatever. But we've lost some of that community as we've developed, I guess, as we've advanced as society. And yeah. now we're starting to see a lot of that coming back, but in a digital age. Sure. So you may not, not not have those neighbors that are as close-knit as you once did, but you do online. Yeah, um, it, yeah, sure. It makes sense. There's just, it's a way to use your skills, to, your talents, your, your surplus resources, things that you're producing a lot of. And, and like you said, it really can help tie you with your community really well. And when you get... And, you know, so if somebody in your community has a skill, it doesn't take long for everybody in that area to start knowing this is the person you go to for that. And, and so then that person, you know, might use your skill for something that they're not good at. And and you can really build a nice community that way. You know, you mentioned that you have one for your local county, right? A bartering group. And that's where you really probably see that take place, you know, that in the local county type bartering system. We do. And we actually have some different feedback posts of give some street cred to, to people who you had good deals with or good barters with and let others know that this is a legitimate person. They're they're upfront. They're honest. And some of the stories that have come out of that, of you know, they realized they were like a mile away and now they've become good friends and they now hang out at each other's house all from doing these barter deals that they never would have made the connection before. Right. And it, it's gotten really cool to see some of those success stories and hear some of the positives that have come out of it. What, well, what kind of what kind of barters do you typically see happening in your groups? Right now, a lot of people are doing rabbits and chickens are the real big one, mainly because those <laughs> are easy to replicate, easy to reproduce, yeah. they're portable. But it's 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 anything. Some people have mm-hmm. either bought or inherited a homestead, and there's all this leftover stuff they don't know what to do with might be old farm equipment, might be fencing, might be an old barn. And yeah. so they throw that out there of instead of having to junk it or scrap it and, hey, I've got a two-bottom horse plow. Does Is anybody interested? Well, you know, those are not easy to come across unless you're in, in an Amish community. So mm-hmm. somebody might be wanting that because they have a horse that's capable of using it but can't find one to be able to use. Or barn metal. Barn metal is a big one that goes around. T-posts, fencing. Yeah. Uh, we have one woman who's a doula 
who offered her services as a, a pregnancy doula, and she didn't have any animals to get started with homestead. She was looking for chickens and rabbits to get started. So I, I was she, curious if you were seeing some services being bar- bartered as well. Yeah, we do. Mobile welders is another one. Okay. You know, guys who have welders on the back of their truck, maybe for their day yeah. job, like the come home yeah. and they can go weld somebody's fence or weld a trailer or whatever, and then in turn get freezer meat. There's a lot of freezer meat and you know, livestock going back and forth. Let's see. It, horses go really well. Really? Everybody's looking for a horse. Well, sometimes people get them and they intend to ride them. They intend to do all these things, but then life yeah. gets in the way and you don't have time. So trade a horse for a freezer full of meat. That that can be a great deal that they don't have to go shopping for a year and yeah. all their protein sources. And they no longer have something that's costing the money as far as hay and upkeep and maintenance. Right. So Let's see. It, it just is completely all over the board for, for different things. Kids clothes that have outgrown trading for, for different things. Usually we try to, we're seeing a lot of it of just being homesteading type things. So it's chicken waters or chicken houses or water troughs or, or things like this. But the more creative people are getting, the the better the deals are. People keep thinking that they don't have anything to barter with. I'm like, People are going crazy over pallets. If you have a yeah. surplus of pallets, they'll they'll barter with you for pallets. Sure. Yeah, they're useful. <laughs> Buckets, barrels, things like that. Yeah. IBC totes. I could see things like that being real big on there. It is. And, you know, it, it gets flooded. You know, he, who's the first one to offer? And, you know, those kinds of things. Yeah. And livestock guardian dogs needing new homes or they don't get along with their other dog or these kinds of things. Yeah. So yeah. It, it's, it's a wide range. Do you get people... Like, well, I don't have anything that you're looking for, but I have cash. Do you get people trying that? All the time. And that's one of the rules that we we, we yeah. don't do. There are none of that because they would say that. And then, you know, it's it's going back against the rules of no sales. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like trying to come in through the back door with it. Yeah. Pretty much. It's, well, I don't have anything, but I do have cash or greenbacks or yeah, Benjamins yeah. Or, or, you know, we've seen you know the dollar signs all the different ways that people can put in money in there. We've seen it and we've already got it flagged. So yeah, it'll come up one way or another, but I keep trying to tell people, you know, can you bake? Can you make canned goods? Cause people are looking for meals. You know, there are some yeah. people who work two jobs and they'd love to have two or three home cooked meals that are freezer meals or whatever. Great idea. Yeah. And you know, if you're making a batch of lasagna, it's just as easy to make two batches of lasagna. You barter one off for whatever you're looking for. Nice. So it, 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 it's the possibilities are endless. And I, I always love to see the new ones. I was like, well, I didn't see that one before. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Like I said, I see them popping up on my Facebook all the time because I've been in that group. And honestly, I've never actually traded anything yet, though. A lot of the stuff in, in the statewide one, you know, a lot of times you, you do see something you're somewhat interested in. It's a long ways away. So I would like, it'd be neat to see more happening on county levels with this kind of thing, you know, individuals in there starting their, their local ones. What's funny is this actually started because of the Brown County one. Is that um, right? Yeah. A friend of mine runs the Brown County barter page. And when it was suggested in the, the homesteading discussion page, you know, do we have a state one? I'm like, well, I know of the Brown County page, but I've never seen a statewide barter yeah. page. And so one of the other admins created it. And I, I kept seeing how great a deal the Brown County ones were doing. And it's a community and everybody's trade and all kinds mm-hmm. of stuff regularly. I'm like, I want that. Why can't I have that? It's like, well, make it. You make it and it'll happen. <laughs> there you go. Be the guy. <laughs> and so that's yeah. what it was. And it started off as a small group. And I would love to see more of them. I think Hendricks County may have a homesteaders page now. There's a northern Indiana and a southern Indiana okay. bartering groups. They're not nearly as, don't have as many members and they're not as active. But sure. there are ones because... You had people who were all in the North going, well, all we see is Southern stuff or the Southern people are saying, yeah. all we see is Northern stuff. And so they didn't want to drive the length of the state to, to get a right. deal or trying to meet up and exchange cows or whatever yeah. somewhere in the middle. And that's not. And, and I love that happening. it's not just a bartering group. It's a homesteading bartering group. So we're yes. really, you know, focused on, you know, that area, that particular niche. And, and what I like about it too, is like, I see, sometimes I see things pop up on there that are in my county. And it's like, oh, a homesteader close to me. I should know that person, <laughs> you know, so it could actually build community in that way. Even if you maybe wasn't interested in what they had, it might maybe put you in touch with them to some level. 
sometimes we'll get in some of the comments in there and, and people are like, Hey, I'm in your backyard. You know, I'm just down the yeah. road from you or, or yeah. whatever. And, you know, and they'll start that conversation. We try to stay out of the, the actual conversation pieces and let it go sure. unless it's one of the, the rule breakers. Right. Well, is the real reason though you focused on bartering versus sales? Is it because of Facebook rules or does it go deeper than that? There was, well, yeah, I want to say both reasons. So one, it was, it seemed like any type of sales was automatically flagged. So how do we get around that? Well, mm -hmm. could you say you come up with coins or some other kind of tokens or something that you could say is not money, but it really was money. And that mm -hmm. just got too complicated into what are we going to use? Is it all going to be the same? Are they going to follow the rules of using tokens versus it's 200 tokens versus $200. So that got confusing and too hard, but it also gives a, a level playing field. Like I was saying earlier. So not everybody has money or some spouses are not supportive of their significant <laughs> others animal habit. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, we have some, it's, what I found, I love numbers. So I was doing the statistics of who's in the group, who are the barters, who are the more active people. We have by far more women barterers, which I wouldn't have thought. Yeah. And by far more active trades with women than men. And I would have been completely dumbfounded thinking it was the other way around. But it's because either they don't have the disposable income or their spouses won't financially help support their chicken habit, rabbit habit, goat habit, whatever their animal habit is. And this is a way that they can add to their herd or get different genetics. And that's another barter. It may not be a, a rabbit for a chicken. It may be, I have a buck that's not related to one that's already in my, my herd or my rabbitry or whatever. And I need some new genetics. So they'll just mm -hmm. trade bucks yeah. and, you know, that works out too. Sure. Yeah. I, I, yeah, what you were saying about women, that's funny because when I first I started this podcast, you know, I think eight years ago or something like that, and I started a face, or, yeah, Facebook group back then too, I started you know, my website. And one thing I noticed was I, I would say 60 to 70% of the members of like the group are women, listeners like Spotify shares like statistics. It's like majority women that listen. I think women are the ones more interested in homesteading than men are, which is surprising to me. I thought it was surprising as well because I'm very much into it. And yeah. my wife was raised on a farm. I wasn't. My first farm experience is this farm that we're on now. So <laughs> it was a completely new thing for me. Yeah. But I think, I don't want to say men don't see the value in it, but women being the caretaker type mentality, yeah. I'm here to provide for the family. Homesteading provides for the family where sure. typically men have been the mentality of I'm the protector, I'm the financial, I'm the provider, whereas they're looking at ways how to provide without doing those kinds of things, yeah. if that makes sense. A lot of a lot of women I think are really focused on feeding their family healthy food and you know and and just you know seeing that happen too. So they're really concerned about that. And yeah, it goes both ways. There's plenty of men in there too. I don't want to narrow it down to one side or the other, but I do you said that and it just it reminded me that yeah, that it does seem to be the case across the board, really. That yeah, I didn't want to seem like men. sexist or anything, but that, that's just that's the numbers. And when I looked yeah, at it, I'm like, that that yeah. I figured more guys would want to barter. I mean, yeah, that just seems <laughs> like more, but no, and they make some great deals, they're very savvy and mm -hmm. in tune with what somebody else is looking for. And I don't say they they don't get offended if someone doesn't want their this or that. It's well, what's yeah. not good enough, or you know, those kinds of things. We yeah. do have men. Maybe more... even think maybe they got to win the the barter. You know, like exactly. I got to come out ahead. Where you know, maybe some people are like, I, you know, we want to have a fair trade, which I think is more right. But yeah, I think some some exactly of us right. might want to win that challenge. You know, <laughs> you are exactly right. We when we look at the rules as well, if more men want to pay or buy their way out of the deal, oh, then come out with an even drill. And, you know, I didn't think about that is it, they want to be the equitable trade. They want to be even, it wants to be yeah. fair versus I want to win. I want to one up. I want to, I want to get the better of the deal. Okay. Now that we've offended a few people and made some people <laughs> mad, let's talk about Move on. how was your, how was your experience been with these barter pages? Is it as an admin? Yeah. Just tell me a little bit about your experience as far as, is it something you're glad you did? Are you seeing benefit from it? How, how's it working out for you? 
my wife's not seeing so much benefit from it because I'm always on the page, but she does see it. She does see that we're building community. We're making trades that we wouldn't have normally, like we found some ducks that she wanted that we couldn't find other places. And it was for trading for things that we had that we didn't think were valuable. So it worked out in her end for that. And she sees the value of it being a, a networking tool to help build community because you know, if the economy starts going into a, a southern direction, barter and having those kinds of connections on the barter pages mm-hmm. is going yeah. to be very valuable. So build okay. it now before you need it. And then when you do need it, it's already there. and You already have a good positive network. So sure. from the back end on the admin piece, I like it. I like it. I like seeing the barter deals. I like seeing what's coming through. I like to see what people are looking for. So, you know, from, from a marketing background, what are people looking for? What do they want? What is a fair trade in somebody's eyes? Mm-hmm. Uh, I see some deals that, you know, somebody has three laying hens and they want a Jersey cow and milk with A2, A2 milk. Well, okay. That, that seems a little lopsided, but if you're going to throw that out there, more power to you, maybe you'll, yeah. you'll get a deal, but I, I do like the the back end of it, of seeing some of these things. It is a little more work than I'm. <laughs> I was thinking that it was going yeah. to with 6,500 members and so many things, but it, I feel that we have to stay on top of a lot of it. So to keep it running, I feel the responsibility to stay on those things so that we can keep it open. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah, and in, in a moment's notice, unfortunately, Facebook could change some rules or discover it and say, "Well, we don't like this," and and, and then we're know. shut down, and you got to yeah, go somewhere yeah. else. I mean, you know, and, and you can prolong that and make it not happen as quickly, probably just by you know enforcing the rules you have set in place. But still, they still could find offense to it. And do you have a backup plan for that if it ever happens, or just no, just shut? <laughs> we down? haven't even thought of that fact. Yeah, know? I just wondered. Facebook's you know traditionally been pretty fickle, so I didn't know if that was a. And thing you thought about or not <laughs> the admins probably and i probably need to discuss that of you know what are we going to do if for some reason we get shut down a, are we going to have, have a plan b we group or something in the background that just basically just stays open in case or something i don't know it would be nice but there's just there's just not the volume of people on me right. yeah like i agree have. i tried to do the me we thing and some other places and you know telegram seems pretty popular but to me it's not really it doesn't really fit something like this very well it's just a good conversation place, you know? Yes. And then you get lost in, like, a, a, if you're not on there regularly, you get lost in the thread that's yep. so many deep and yeah, how many yeah. conversations have switched or changed and how many people are talking about something completely different. Right. Yeah. It just seems like a hangout place to me. It's not so much for, for you need a place that has groups, you know, that you can really yeah. bring people together around a topic. And yeah, it's pretty limited still. And, and, and the people just aren't there. And really some of them don't have the, the technologies not there. They're just not there yet you know and i would love to see some alternatives to facebook some some really well you know built ones that people are actually going to you know um but and i thought for a while i thought me we might be that but i did not to be yeah they they kept promising and promising and promising and then nothing it's not evolved it's not developed it's still stagnant where it was there six years ago there's a lot of people on there that are pretty active on there and and that's great. But, and I know there's some, you know, there's like free, I don't know if you were familiar with like free studying and, you know, that's a community that has an app and stuff and they have group, I think they have groups in there and there's, there's some that's being built that, but they're still, that's, they're not, I don't feel like they're hundred percent yet, you know, yeah. and, and they're, they're, they're okay, but they got a long way to go. I think. Yeah, I agree. And it's, it is what it is. So you use the tools that you have and right. until something else comes along. Yeah. And I got to admit, I spend a lot of time on Facebook when I am on social media. It's the one, it's where I'm at too, you know, because that's where everybody else is at. And you just want to be where the people are and, you know, and do your thing. So exactly. I absolutely get it. I guess I should, I'd like to talk about maybe what are some common arguments against bartering? Like what are some people, some people would just object to bartering as the way to go what you know you can you think of anything that you would say people this is a common objection to it in the beginning we had some people who were the naysayers that said oh the irs is going to track all of this and all of your barters are supposed to be reportable which technically they are because you're supposed to put a value on the item you're trading and they're supposed to put a value and you're supposed to report that but nobody really does that i know of so well and i think if it's considered even for even 
then you would think, but they, they want to report that it actually, yeah. I do my own taxes and it comes up on there as yeah. one of the, I use one of the self programs and yeah. it asks, did you barter or trade for anything of equal yeah. value? What were the values? Well, yeah. there's no record of it. So I don't have anything. <laughs> well, I also, like I said, and, and there would be no gain or, or loss if it was, a, if you felt like it was an even trade, really, even if you put it down, it just wouldn't matter either one way or the other, you know, if it was an even trade. I think as well. Um, if, if both people had the same value on it. I, I also see that there's this just thought that that there is a, a lack of people considering I guess, what's the word I'm really looking for? There's a there's a term for it, and it's about the equity, a double coincidence of once. Like you just happen to be needing the thing that I have. And I just happen to be needing anything that you have. And it's like this double coincidence, you know, and people think that's a rarity. Oh, no. But it's not. Yeah, it's exactly. not. And sometimes it's people, a lot of this, and I'm guilty of it, of put things up that you have, but you, you don't know what you want. And, you know, mm-hmm. throw some offers. Oh, I didn't know I wanted that. I want yeah. that now, now that you mentioned it. And so it's not always you have an idea of what you want and what you need or what you have and what you want. It might be, I have this. I don't know what I'm looking for. I might need T-posts. I might need an IVC tote because I hadn't gone looking for one or priced one, or I didn't know this thing existed. So, you know, we have a lot of that of shoot me offers and people are like, okay, well, I have sourdough start. Yeah, I'll take that. I'll, you know, so many chicks for sourdough start. If that works, that works, but you didn't know what you didn't know. Yeah. Reason I don't go to the grocery store hungry. I find all kinds of things I want that I didn't really (laughs) think I even needed, but it turns out I did. (laughs) One of the other problems is just money. People want to just use money and don't want to have to go through their stuff or go through the thinking about what stuff they're not using or having. And just I'll just give you cash because it's the easiest, simplest Mm -hmm. A to B. Why do I need to list everything that I have? Because that's what it is. It's the barter page. It's not the for sale page. It's it's barter and that's it. So, so time and effort would be a constraint. Yeah, for sure. It's something that people say, I just don't have the time or the energy for, to be digging around, looking for something to trade you for this. I just want to give you the cash because I work a job and it's easier to get my hands on cash and and it is to dig through my stuff. And I I kind of get that, but you also don't get that opportunity to to build community and, 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 you know, in the, in the same fashion or same way, you know, so I, I, you know, I think there is a benefit to it. Yeah. I tell people on the group, think about walking around your property. What do you see? that you haven't used in a year, two years, yeah. throw that out there. Because obviously if it's been or sitting around for a year or two years, you're not using it, get something that you will use on a regular basis or what's out in the back 40 of the pasture that was left around. Oh, there's an old cultivator. Well, I didn't yeah. think anybody would want that. Yeah. There's a, there's a value for it. People want those kinds of things, whether it's the scrap metal, because things just aren't made like they used to be made. And some of that old equipment will last for another you know, 20, 30 years, if you properly take care of it. Yeah. And also if you didn't have the time, say maybe you don't have the time to get out there and, and maybe dig around. Like I, I was thinking just the other day, you know, like in the fall, you could say have, you know, I have like 40 elderberry bushes on my property and I'd be like, you know, come cut a few and bring something to, bar- you know, what do you got to barter? If you want to come cut your own, just cut a few cuttings and take them with you and, or dig up some comfrey root or something, you know, you, you wouldn't even have to do the labor. You could just say you do it, you know, and, and what do you got to trade for that? <laughs> That's what we're doing with the pawpaws. We have, uh, I think, two acres worth of pawpaw trees. And I'm one of the unfortunate 3% that are allergic. So I can't eat them. And oh, it's not like hives kind of thing. It's bad roadside sushi from Texas in the middle of (laughs) August with no refrigeration. Uh, I ate it once and I thought it was because they were unripe. And I was on the couch for a week. So the second time I did it, you know, I didn't learn the first time. Like, oh, these are fully right. Did it again. And I thought I had food poisoning. I was so sick. And my family's like, well, we all ate the same thing you did. And they even ate the pawpaws too, except for (laughs) I'm allergic. So you tell folks they can get their own, huh? (laughs) Pretty much. If you guys want pawpaw treats, come dig them up. You can come get pawpaws or my daughter will go out there and, and she sells them. So, you know, I shake the tree, she gets the pawpaws and then she'll go off and sell them. We might do some bartering then because I've got one on my property and it turns out I need two to make pawpaws. <laughs> you do. And what I originally thought it was, was you needed a male and a female like mulberry trees. It's not. Yeah. It's you just need a different, I don't say cultivar or a different tree because all of our trees in the woods are pretty much related. 
Yeah. And I didn't realize it just keeps sending suckers up and we happen to have a secondary patch on the other side of the property. So it's probably why we, we have the fruit that we do. Okay. Yeah. Did you yeah. also know that they're pollinated by carrion fly? No. Did not. Yeah. So they have produce a, a dark purple, almost black flower early, early in the spring before any leaves come on. And it smells like rotting meat. Is that right? We had 50, 60 vultures in the trees one day. Oh, wow. And we're walking the property. I'm like, something got out and something's dead down there. So we're, we're spending about two hours in the woods wandering around and couldn't find any dead animal. I'm like, okay, there's nothing dead here. They're just in the trees. Something's going on. And when we took a picture of the flower, because we didn't know what they were at the time. This is right when we moved here. And we went back and looked it up and it was the pawpaw flower. And we started learning about it and it's pollinated by carrion fly. Wow. Oh, interesting. One one of those little interesting tidbits. So so do I want another one on my property? That's the question (laughs) now I'm asking myself. (laughs) No, they're, they're really good. I know a lot of people try to start them from seeds, digging them. They seem to have hard time digging them up as well. But if somebody wants to come dig them, y'all are more welcome to come do it. Awesome. Well, there you go. You got your barter item there. You just got your pawpaw tree. So do you personally find yourself doing a lot of bartering on your pages? <laughs> Unfortunately, no. I'm always, you know, I go out there and I see things that I want or I'm like, oh, I don't have what they're looking for. Well, do you take this, this or this? This is what I have. Well, no, we don't need sheep. We don't have fencing or, you know, we've offered the sheep out there multiple times, but not a lot of people are into sheep and it's because we do wool sheep. So people don't want to shear them. They're all interested in the hair sheep. So okay. what yeah. we have is not necessarily the ideal match as of yet. Right. Um, I've got a couple of good deals. We've bartered. What I've bartered for the most of was plants. You know, trading my wife. We had goat apocalypse. So the goats came in and ate everything around the property. And so after that, we had no landscaping, no vegetable tree or fruit trees. They ate everything one season. So we learned that it's easier to keep them out of certain areas than keep them contained. Yeah. So we started putting fencing around all of our landscapings just to keep the goats out. <laughs> but, you know, we started trading for pretty flowers so that we could start getting things back and, you know, okay. lilies and irises and, and things like this. And that's yep. been one of the more successful barters that we've had. Comfrey is another one. Elderberries. Yeah. You know, we, we're starting easy to get things. Yeah. Easy things. We're starting to do tree hay. And so that's starting oh. to take off. Oh, man, we. We probably ought to do a whole nother podcast on tree hay. That's been a big interest of mine for a while. And and I've played around with it somewhat. But yeah, we've talked a little bit about that you know, on the on the podcast here and there. And yeah, that's a that's an interesting concept. It's something that, that just kind of went away for a long time. And in 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 Europe, they you know, it was a big, big thing there. And uh, yeah, coppicing and pollarding is a big yep. one out there. And I'd love to start doing that more here. And yeah, we're looking at doing a Osage Orange hedgerow. Because I really like the look of that from you know watching like Clarkson Farms and seeing how they have the hedgerows. I would love yeah. to have that being the sheep and and everything. And so we started propagating Osage Orange just to be able to do that. And would it be used for firewood or what was the, what's the plan of the trees? So the Osage, if you coppice it right and and start laying it like a hedgerow, it's got the thorns and the animals eat all the vegetation on their side, but it'll also mm-hmm. keep them in from being able to. So we won't necessarily have to use metal fencing we can grow our own fencing okay and you know it's a lot better for i want to say for the environment regenerative purposes that having trees and it's it's in a a shelter for other creatures birds and pollinators and things they can get in there and make nests and whatnot versus having high tensile wire or woven wire across the field and that's all you see there's no vegetation on either side of that fence but having a four foot hedgerow there's lots of things that can live in there yeah, and it soaks up, you know, it's more oxygen, it's more carbon putting in the ground, it's more carbon that's out there. And then any of that stuff that you cut off the top. So if you're cutting your hedgerows or coppicing, we'll take all of those, the woody pieces and we're been making biochar. Yeah, I was gonna say, I know it has one of the higher BTUs of any woods and, and that makes a great firewood even just that. So I guess, yeah, it makes a great biochar too then, huh? Yeah, biochar, it's a dye, you can use it to dye wool or dye the wood chips. So whenever we cut up logs and things, my wife collects all the wood chips and you can use it to dye fabrics or dye whatever. There's lots of, all these trees that we have that I love here, 
all of like the NRCS and some of the forest people, oh, those are junk trees. You know what those, those are, those are horrible trees. No, those are the greatest trees ever. Black walnut, mulberry, let's see, black black walnut, all these ones that nobody likes to have. I find some of the best trees on our property. Well, I seen like just a couple of years ago, Indiana made it, I think they, white mulberry made the list of a tree as a, you know, as a invasive species that you're not allowed to plant anymore, which was Blew my mind. I seen that on a list a couple of years ago that it got on that list. And I was like, that is crazy. One of the most useful trees there is, you know. No kid. We use so now is this is the white mulberry different than like the, the wild ones, the black mulberries that come around? Yeah, it's it's a different, yeah, it's different. It's not even a native, it's not a native mulberry. We have a red mulberry is our native one. Yeah, but yeah. I said, but you don't eat the red ones. Yeah. You, oh, you, the mulberries. You <laughs> yeah. Mean? You got to wait till they're black. Yeah. 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 But it's the variety, <laughs> the red mulberry tree is okay. what it's called. And in white mulberry, you, well, you experienced the silkworms. That's actually the primary food of silkworms is the white mulberry. Okay. I guess from what I've studied and, and read on, and I mean, it's, I guess you'd probably should know more about that than me, but that might be a majority of what you have because it's the more, it's the invasive species, you know, it's the one that spreads. They uh, said regular old wild mulberry. That yeah, they can eat one. Work. I think they can eat the one, but I think the white mulberry is higher in certain things, maybe protein they or whatnot. It. Yeah. Now I do yeah. like, so like the mulberries are high BTUs as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can eat the fruit, make wine, jams, jellies out of the fruit. Yep. One full size mulberry tree will support a sow and piglets for two months while they're fruiting. They're that oh. high in calories and protein. Yeah. Pigs will eat the leaves as well. So do I know goats, rabbits sheep. Love them. <laughs> yes. Goats, sheep, cows, our horses, the alpaca, everything eats mulberry. So it's An one alpaca of those. Alpaca too, huh? Yeah. You got to love it everything. <laughs> <laughs> we do. Glenda thinks she's a sheep though. So she runs oh. with the sheep and hangs out with the sheep, sleeps with the sheep. <laughs> you know, whenever they go out, she's right there with them. And so when she gets short, when all the sheep get shorn, she gets shorn. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, they sound like they, they, they raise well together then. <laughs> they seem to be. Uh, it, we had a whole bunch of them. They came as a rescues. It's mm-hmm. Part of the reason why I'm no longer allowed to make any animal authorized adding to the property. The was it the limits you on the bartering. Oh yeah. The 2017 goat and alpaca incident. I'm always reminded of, of why I can't get animals in. <laughs> oh, wow, that's great. Well, you have a ton going on, man. So you're doing, so I guess we go back to your homestead a little bit. Now you're, you have a, you have a large vegetable garden too. I'm assuming like annual vegetable garden. We have a, a reg, regular vegetable garden. We grow in a high tunnel with aquaponics as a heat source or a heat sink over the winter. So we grow year round. We just put in high tunnel two, but with this last windstorm, it took it out. High tunnel three got turned into Tajma coop. So it's another chicken coop that we have. We had overrun of chickens. So we threw them in a high tunnel and they did really well in there. But we're wanting to, going back to the permaculture piece, I wanted to have more of an edible landscaping. So we have, now that we've been able to keep goats out of certain areas long enough, we're removing all of the grass and starting to plant things that will self-seed and replicate without us having to do it. So kales yeah. and lettuces, celery, anything that will produce seeds, sow it itself, and then we can just go harvest whenever we want. That's great. Yeah. And you're are you doing it in a guild style or are you just kind of just broadcasting it throughout the fields or somewhat guild, somewhat just where do we have space? What would go gotcha. where? Yeah. I'm not always the one who makes the decision on where things go and my wife will put things randomly. So that might be a path that we used to use to get the lawn tractor up to, to haul much. Well, now there's <laughs> four bushes in the way. And well, I didn't think that's where we went with the tractor. Oh, there's a path there. It okay. happens. <laughs> it was a blank space. <laughs> it makes it easy to get to the tree to harvest things. There that's you go. <laughs> so we are. So like with some of the fruit trees, we're starting to put mints and berries underneath. The mints will keep away a lot of the pests. Mm-hmm. Also that we don't have to mow under them as much. We ran ducks and geese in our orchard to keep the grass down as well. And so that helps mow it. And then also fertilize, break some of the pest cycles. Mm-hmm. I didn't realize this, but ducks and geese absolutely love peaches. Is that I've right? never thought it. So we have a duck house every morning when we let the ducks and geese out, when the peach season comes, they make a beeline for every one of the peach trees and anything that fell over the night. Okay. And they will eat everything down. So we had 50, 60, what do you call them? Pits, peach pits all on the ground. 
I couldn't figure out what was happening until we saw the ducks doing it one day. Wow. And are they, are you seeing a lot of sprouting coming from some of those pits? From no, my daughter, she went and collected them and planted them all. Oh, so okay. she's trying to propagate those to Putting them where they grow go, and yeah. sell. She saw what nice. prices of peach trees go for in the store. And she's like, $50 a peach tree. Wow, so she yeah. starts growing her own. So she, yeah. that's her whole goal is to start. What yeah, can she a... do for minimal input and a bigger return on investment? So like 10 years from now, you guys might be a full fledged <laughs> peach farm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe she does. She does succulent. She does peach trees. She does apple trees, whatever she can get to grow. She tries. Sounds like she's loving the lifestyle. Oh, she wouldn't have it any other way. She uh, homeschooled. Great. So she loves it. And she gets to be home with her animals. So if one day school's just really rubbing her the wrong way, she goes out, hangs out in the barn or go rides her horse. And, you know, we threaten her with going to public school if oh, yeah. she's not doing chores or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, no part of that, huh? <laughs> no. Just sitting in a chair for eight hours, she she couldn't fathom it. Oh, it's a horrible thing. <laughs> I know that. <laughs> yeah. She's raised three bottle babies in a room this year, sheep. Um, she's raised goats from the day they were born because mom rejected them. So she takes over. She's our little go-to because all because of her size, I guess her nature the animals don't run from her like they would run from me. When I'm trying to, to get somebody in for meds or, you know, to go up at night, they run from me. To her, they just walk right with her and she kind of coax them in wherever they need to oh, go. Man. And the animal whisperer. That's great. That's great. Well, I guess I, I don't want to, I don't want to close this up until I talk to you a little bit about your aquaponics. Cause I love aquaponics. I've, I've been doing it for a while. Now you said you were doing in some in a pool. Is that all of your aquaponics or do you have? Some oh, stuff? no. So we started aquaponics in Indianapolis. <laughs> I started with indoors, actually, 55-gallon drum with constant flow, and I rose tilapia in our kitchen. Exactly. And we, right. wow. we had herb garden in there, so you could go pick fresh herbs as they're growing right there in the kitchen and use them. That was the fish with it, huh? <laughs> 14 years ago when we started. Wow. And then I bought a Harbor Freight greenhouse and put some 55-gallon drums in it, but it wasn't big enough. So I dug the entire floor out and put a pond liner in it with a bridge. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah. And grew bluegill and catfish in there. And then again, constant flow. So I had pipes running all around the outside perimeter and then just cups in all of the, the PVC pipes. Okay. So this year, let's say we do aquaponics in the high tunnel, which we have a thousand gallons worth of IBC totes that are in there that have fish. And then we have floating rafts that we're growing on the top as opposed to the flow through out of all my years with doing the either bell siphon or constant flow or, you know, some of those different things, I always end up with a leak and end up <laughs> losing fish or the plants dry out because the water gets too low or yeah. there's always something. So I found the rafts have worked much better yeah. and they're always got their feet wet and they seem to be doing pretty well. Now we do oxygenate all of those tanks. So there is constant air coming into them. Mm -hmm. So that might be a difference of why we're not getting waterlogged. Yeah. I, I've changed my designs a few times over the years. I've done some indoor too, but I did with a fish. I was actually using fish tank and, you know, a shelf system and do it, had it all set up like that indoors. But then, and when I set up in the greenhouse, I, I did what you said. I just dug out the floor. I dug a pond in the floor. Now I do ebb and flow, but I don't do it, but I do it with the timers. And I pump up and then it drains back through the pump, comes back down that way. And that works really, really well. Of course, it's got overflow pipes and whatnot. And like I said, just kicks off and on. I think I run it for four minutes in all the beds every hour. So it's pretty, you know. Yeah, it, it's it, always it, on or it's always getting wet. Yeah, it's, you know, it's getting a nice flow. And I got cucumbers in it right now that are looking awesome. And, but then I ran, you know, because I, I put in a solids filter out of, I made a solids filter out of a five gallon bucket. And then I ran off of that some PVC pipe over to a, an area I made with wicking beds. And then I got wicking beds in there and I'm growing like water chestnuts and things like that. And then some other stuff too. And that's pretty cool. That's working out pretty neat. And then it feeds right back into the, the, the fish tank. So it's all working out pretty good. So yeah, we do, we do have a pool now. So we took an above ground pool and I got it at, I think it was a habitat for humanity or maybe an auction. It was a brand new pool in the box. We already <laughs> had one. So I threw it out there and figured we would grow catfish and bluegill and it's just kind of evolved to the floating raft system again we pull water out of there to water the high tunnel but then we have another one that's it's not aquaponics it's more duck ponics uh -huh, so yeah. we have a duck pond 
and like a, a creek bed that's constantly flow. So the duck have a pool in the middle that they can't get into the rest of it. And then a big pool at the bottom of it or pond and it constantly flows. But in between the top of it, which is the waterfall and the bottom of it, we have a lot of flat space. And that's where we were doing a lot of our tree starts, our plant starts and mm -hmm. things. So all of that duck waste was constantly flowing over there. And we got some massive tomatoes out of there one year. Oh, yeah. That's some super nutrient-rich water. It. Oh, ducks are dirty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I've never raised them, but I've seen the evidence of it. <laughs> they are. Yeah. They, they can foul up some water real quick. And, yeah. and because it was constantly flowing, those plants ate it up. Water hyacinth. We grow a lot of water hyacinth. And mm -hmm. that purifies the water, but then it's higher in protein than soy. So that's what we feed to chickens, ducks, and pigs. Okay. And we try to keep the soy out of the pigs, but with between that Azola and duckweed, that's quite a bit of food just from cleaning the water. So it's you're still again, doing tilapia, are you? No, we okay. because of the temperature, we don't have a regular right. temperature enough. And yeah. the season, if you were to plant, put them in here, once the water gets warm enough, it's not a long enough season before it gets cold for them mm -hmm. to actually reach yeah. a decent eating size. So either Got we it. have to heat it or do it inside and we just don't have the room inside yeah it just made me think when you was talking about all that stuff that yeah, you could feed the fish but then you know when you're doing other things you have to find another food source when you when, when you don't have tilapia that's is that's to me the biggest bonus with tilapia is the that you know you can feed them all the vegetation oh yeah and if you've got a, a heated area a barn or a carport or whatever that they're great and they grow like nine months you oh yeah harvest yeah. weight so That's if awesome. we just had a, just a little bit longer of a season, we could probably get away with it here. Yeah. We always wish for what we don't have, but then those folks probably wish they could have some things we have too. So. Oh yeah. You know, we have nice, I used to curse having frozen you know, ground here and then talking to people who are in Florida, they don't have a freezing, so they don't get apples. They don't get pears, but then they right. have mosquitoes year round. So yeah. we're They're fortunate damn. enough that we at least get a break. They're de dealing with that you know, sandy soil and, you know, and having to just put so much more organic matter on it to get things to grow good. Yeah. We all have our struggles and we all have our, our bonuses, you know, so we just kind of take what we got and work with it and be appreciative of, I guess, of what we have. Cause we have some, we have some pretty good stuff here in Indiana. There's places I might pick to live differently, you know, but you know, I married a woman who's an Indiana gal, so we're staying forever, but uh, you know, it, it we have a we have great soil here. That's for sure. We have some great soil here. We do, and I didn't realize this until we bought the property. Of the your property value is based on your ability to grow corn. <laughs> I didn't realize this, and that's how they do land values. And you know, like Montgomery County, it has dark black soil. That's one of the highest valued properties out there. Yeah, when you're talking raw land, not like yeah, you know, raw land, right? So you know, it, it is a great place to to grow here. It is. We have a lot of, we have a lot of blessings here. Well, Hey man, I won't keep you much longer, but I am definitely going to get all these links in for your Facebook groups. Cause I think they're pretty awesome. And I, I just know, and even if folks, you know, I, we, our listeners are everywhere. I would encourage folks that aren't in Indiana, you know, check in your state and your counties, look for bartering groups. And if you don't have one, maybe you're start the guy. one, you're the guy yeah. or you're the gal, you guys definitely. should start one. Yeah. We we do get people from, you know, Michigan border, Ohio mm -hmm. border, Kentucky border, Illinois yeah. border that are coming over and they'll meet or come close to the state. Sure. But if you don't have one, start one. And, yeah. you know, definitely when you start managing it, look for those unapproved people in your groups. <laughs> because you think it's just private groups or you think it's I got I run a closed group. It's not a private group. And I've never really picked up on that. I can look at it my phone easier to find them than I can on the computer, which is usually right. the other way around. Because we have a couple um, of questions I make people answer before they can come in too, but I guess people are sneaking in without that, huh? It, it, you won't ever know. They yeah. put them in behind the door, so they never get an approval piece. Exactly. They never agree to the rules. So when you run that, who hasn't agreed to the rules, hmm. those people stand out. And when you try and click on their profiles, they're just non-existent. So if you're going to create a group that's kind of on the edge of the Facebook rules and it's going to be in uh -huh. Facebook, Look for some of those kinds of things, and hopefully that keeps you out of the off the radar. Yeah, yeah. 
Well, I think, I think you're doing a great service for Indiana and, and, and I love what you're doing at your farm too. It sounds like you're offering some great stuff and you got some big plans there for the future, for sure. And is there any classes or, or, or tours or anything you want to tell people about? Or? Uh, we're not touring right now just because we have so much mess going on. We're, we're in the right. middle of so many projects, but we, you know, when we shearing, we put out for people to come learn how to shear. It's not the way to shear. It's our way to shear. So we shear on a stand and we do about 10 to 15 sheep a day. If somebody wanted to come out and learn how to do that, if they were going to do their own sheep or if they're interested in sheep, it's kind of one-offs. If somebody wants to come learn about what we're doing or, or a particular subject, like I said, like, like you, we got our fingers in a lot of different things yeah. and experimenting. When we do syrup tapping, we offer people to come show how to do that and that what it all entails. <laughs> That's cool. So it's, it, it's, it's, it's kind of by season. It's also by if people reach out, we definitely offer help of questions or whatnot. And then, you know, also consulting of, mm-hmm. you know, helping people design, where do I want to do? How do I want to go? And a lot of it is you in your head, you're thinking of where you want to go with your property. But then when you start thinking about the, do I have fencing? Do I, you know, how close to my neighbors? What are my ordinances? It starts reality has to kind of set in of, okay, maybe I'm not quite ready to have put everything all at once, which is what we did. And we learned the hard way about cheap fencing and how far to space your T posts (laughs) and all those kinds of things. Sure. Well, your your website's wolfbeachfarms.com and folks can, I guess, reach out to you from through there. And I'll definitely get those links in the, in the show notes. And yeah, I hope people will reach out to you and check out your stuff. And like I said, if they're local, jump in these Facebook groups and, and participate, you know, I'm, I'm kind of like a behind the scenes guy. I'm in there. I got to honestly say, I've never done a trade in there yet, but I'm always looking. I'm, I'm always, you know, looking for that. There's going to be one thing that's going to catch my eye one day and go, I've been looking for that. <laughs> but, you know, even looking, you're you're looking at what people find valuable, what's out yeah. there, what's the market. And so by being there, you're learning, yeah, if nothing absolutely. else, and you're waiting for that good opportunity. Yeah. And, and, and I think bartering is something I've always wanted to get better at because I do think it's important. And I think it's just, a, I think it's a skill. I honestly think it's a skill, you know, and, and, and I think it's a community builder. So I think it's important. I think it's something I'd that, love to uh, have in-person bartering, but you know, yeah, that's hard yeah. to get everybody together and do that. And, you know, if right. you're doing livestock, hauling livestock everywhere to, yeah. to be able to do in-person barters, but you know what? Never say never. There might be an opportunity for that somewhere sometime. That's right. That's right. Well, I'll get the links in and I sure appreciate you coming on talking to us about your homestead, your journey and all the things you got going on. Well, I'm glad you have me out, have me out. Hope some help some people out there. Looking around, I finally see, I think I need a change. The rat race, I want to flee my world. I'll rearrange. I'm getting back to the roots of how it's meant to be. Growing gardens, picking fruit, racing livestock, living free. It's a modern homestead. Build a modern homestead. A lot of folks don't understand why this way they've never eaten from their land like we do here every day snapping beans like grandma did sitting on her front porch hunting and fishing like a kid once you've done all of your chores it's a Today